Hello. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ Journal Injury Prevention, and today I'll be talking with Professor Mark Stevenson. Professor Stevenson is an epidemiologist and professor of urban transport and public health at the University of Melbourne. He's the director of the Transport Health and Urban Design Research Hub, which comprises cross-disciplinary research teams exploring how the effects of urban form and transportation influence the health of residents in cities. He's also the National Health and Medical Research Council's Research Fellow and an honorary professor in the Peking University Health Science Centre, China, and an advisor for injury to the Director General of the World Health Organization. Over a long and varied career, Professor Stevenson has worked on numerous national and international projects that have directly influenced the transport policy, and he's worked with both federal and state governments in Australia and overseas. Hello, Mark. Hi there. Perhaps you could start off by telling us a little bit about what you're currently doing now. Uh, that's a great question because it's um, it's incredibly broad and it's probably morphed very much from injury prevention into urban health. Um, and I think it reflects somewhat of the field of injury prevention over the last sort of four or five decades. Um, so I had a group at the University of Melbourne. Uh, it's a research lab called uh, FUD, uh, Transport Health and Urban Design. And it evolved um, quite a lot of discussion with uh, a number of colleagues and myself, uh, including you, Rod, uh, around uh, beginning to understand the complexity, not only of injury, but other elements of our cities uh, that affect um, population health. And when I began, when I began that, that trajectory, it really made me think a great deal around um, injury and road trauma and road traffic injury that I've been working on for many decades. Uh, and it made me realise that, in fact, the, the vision and, and, and the actual toolkits that I had been using were becoming more and more, not obsolete, but not as powerful as what was available for me to be able to begin to explore the complexity of cities and its, its effect on health. Um, firstly from a perspective of injury, but now more broadly. Um, so that's really what led me to not only change universities that I was, I was previously at, um, but to set up a, a transdisciplinary group. So at the moment I have in, in my research lab a, a psychologist, I have a climate scientist, mathematician, urban planners, engineers, um, some other social scientists. So it's, it's complex and we are really focused on urban analytics uh, and that health lens. And it's an incredibly exciting time. I'm boggling at the moment trying to get my head around um, the range of territory that you just covered there in that simple answer. When we chatted about um, 30 years ago, I guess, you were an epidemiologist. Yes, yes, definitely. Still, a, still an epidemiologist. Still an epidemiologist. So... You listed a couple of, or half a dozen disciplines that, you're, that you currently have in your team. Yeah. So can you walk me through a little bit about how an epidemiologist thinks about injury and then contrast that with how you currently think about injury, as a, injury prevention as a field? I guess, you know, 30, 30 years ago when we were we really first met um, and I was exploring the, the child pedestrian injury issue, I was training in epidemiology and I had uh, a fantastic advisor in uh, Dr. Conrad Jamrozek at the University of Western Australia. 
who sort of said to me, look, if you're keen to apply these epidemiologic skills you're developing, look at this field of injury, which doesn't appear to have a great deal of researchers who are really exploring the complexities and the, and the challenges associated with, despite, you know, a huge burden. And so that's what set me on the trajectory to look at child pedestrian injury. But I looked at it in a way that still applied, it was a case control study, and applied very much sound epidemiologic approaches. And it allowed me to look at, in a linear fashion, you know, the precursors to the type of injury, to identify potential risk factors in terms of interventions to ameliorate the increasing burden of child pedestrian injury. Um, and, and that was all terrific. And, and it was a great learning process. And it gave me some terrific insights. But what I found incredibly challenging about that was, was the static nature of the approaches that we were using back then. What I've constantly done in my career is ask myself those questions again. Are these tools that I have developed over the years, are they sufficient to answer the questions that prevail in now in the 21st century? And over that 30-year period, I've started to feel that there are some elements to those skill sets that are, are limited and the more I embrace the bigger data, the big data that's available to us in the 21st century and much of this is, has evolved because of the changes that we're, we're observing over time, technological changes, but the greater urbanisation in our cities, uh, the greater levels of motorisation and the changes in motorisation. So everything is dynamic. That, that's probably a really important word, dy dynamism and dynamic because the 21st century is faster than when we were looking at our child pedestrian injury questions. And it means that, that many elements can be observed that actually do alter the feature that we're looking at, the outcome that we're looking at. Uh, and that's what's led me into the field that I'm in now, um, still acting as an epidemiologist, but using tools that they're increasingly becoming more prevalent in epidemiology. But back in five, six, seven years ago, not to the same extent. Have you got a paper that might have um, influenced you in the early days when you were doing classic epidemiology that started you off into even choosing that as a discipline if, to address the problem of injury? Because most injury prevention people might not have thought, or most of the public might not have thought, that epidemiology was an applicable science to the area of injury. What, what brought you to that realisation? Well, look, a number of things, I guess, you know, having worked clinically and then moved into studying research and, and, and then into a public health program and, and then being exposed to epidemiology, it was like the light bulb going on. I've always been interested in, in the big picture, in the population level um, of observation. And, and so the science of epidemiology I just embraced wholeheartedly. So that's really, it wasn't one paper, it was actually uh, asking myself what really interested me when I was in my 20s, and, and that's what really drove me. Once I then moved in that direction and realised I wanted to study the epidemiology of injuries, then it was me going back into the literature and delving into it. And the paper that stood out for me was the uh, paper by John Gordon called The Epidemiology of Accidents. It was published in 1949 in the American Journal of Public Health. And at the time when I was studying epidemiology in the 80s, 1980s, this paper back, you know, 40 years prior to that had actually really succinctly 
identified the challenges in injury, uh, the growing burden, and in fact highlighted that for 50 years, from the 1900s, the rates of in, the injury rates in, in the US had not changed one little bit. So here was an issue that hadn't had any success over a half a century in terms of intervention. And, and it then threw up you know, really interesting concepts. It, it started to bring in sort of multidimensional elements, which I've sort of alluded to now, that really excited me. It, it said you've got to look at the environment, you've got to look at the individual and the host, um, and, and you've got to look at the environment in a much broader context. And, and so I thought that was exciting. And then it threw in this concept of accident proneness, which was still, look, it's still being mooted today, um, but it was an interesting concept in itself. Um, you know, was there any biological plausibility to accident proneness? It raised all these questions that made me realise, yeah, this is an area that I really want to investigate. What's a, an example of a piece of work that you subsequently did that you were able to, to bring all of this together and, and conduct your own research? Well, look, there's quite a few. And I, and I guess what's always motivated me in my epidemiologic studies of, of injury were to undertake research that hadn't been delivered in terms of an intervention or understanding. And, and so the three areas that come to mind are quite diverse. So a lot of my epidemiologic career has been involved around road traffic injury. Um, but the first one I, I had to deal with was uh, a health department request of me in Perth, Western Australia, where we had huge challenges and huge problems with uh, toddler drownings in swimming pools. Um, and at the time, the, there was some legislation uh, that restricted access to for toddlers and, and uh, around swimming pools, but we weren't aware whether that was robust or whether it was effective. And, and so I launched, a, you know, quite a complex review of the coronial records, and and then we did other uh, approaches as well um, to look at the effectiveness of the uh, isolated, what we call isolated pool fencing. And the conclusion from that study, it, it was fascinating piece of work, but what it highlighted was that at the time the legislation approved three-sided pool fencing, which meant that one uh, barrier to your house, that one, uh, you could get egress to the pool from your house as long as you had uh, a certain uh, bolt or, or lock on that door. And, and clearly what we're showing is that was a flawed piece of legislation. In fact, the pool needed to be totally isolated. Um, and in that, that led to legislative change in, in Western Australia and beyond. So that's the sort of exciting work that we were able to do and I was able to do using sound epidemiological approaches. Then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the work I've done, which is really, again, right on the cusp of some of the new interventions that hadn't been identified, relate, were related to um, mobile phone use and, and driving. Um, we were published, published a paper in the British Medical Journal that showed for the first time that both handheld and hands-free mobile phone use increased your crash risk threefold that have gone on to be very influential in policy. That policy now in Australia has been implemented based on the robust evidence that we undertook in that piece of research. Um, and it's been en enacted in, in the UK, in, in our states in the US and uh, New Zealand. So it's had you know, wide ranging uh, applications. So incredibly exciting work and, and just highlighting the utility of it, you know, the epidemiologic you know, approach to the study of injuries. 
Um, and then there's another one, which is uh, one that I've really enjoyed working on, which is looking at sort of sleepiness and fatigue in heavy vehicle drivers. Uh, again, a case control study, uh, but we were particularly interested in looking at payments and schedules and driver schedules and the role that that played in um, crash risk. And, and that was published in the American Journal of Epidemiology. That had been, uh, has been quite influential, that piece of research, in changing legislation in Australia called Safe Rates, which the Labor government brought in recently. I'm thinking as I'm hearing you speak, Mark, that you've almost had a career in methodological transition, haven't you? Many times I talk to senior academics, they talk about their progress through different workplaces or different countries or, or uh, different topic areas. You've actually progressed almost through different methodological phases. Um, as you identified when you started to speak about moving from um, risk factor epidemiology through to more complex urban design questions. I, I do know you've published a paper in, in about 2016, I think it was in The Lancet, which seems to me to characterise your current perspective. You were able to talk a little bit about that piece of research. That's um, a really interesting piece of work, which obviously you know well, given you're one of the authors on it. But if you refer to the sort of the tipping point in terms of the launch of this new career as such, that Lancet piece really gives me an is an insight as to where we're going. And it was wanting to look at understanding the land use applications or implications of cities on transport and population health. And, and for the first time, that study actually quantified the, the actual burden associated with the relationship between land use and transport choice in a city. So depending on where you live and what transport choices you have, it, it has a contribution to the uh, health status that you and your population in that city currently uh, have. Uh, and and quite, it showed quite considerable variation between cities based on different land use um, and different transport mode choices. So it, it was a fascinating piece. And we've been able to, using big data and, and using standardised data that are clearly available to everybody now, so we've used Google Maps, we've been able to model every city globally and, and to look at the role of uh, urban form. And in this instance, we're looking at it in relation to road trauma. So uh, and we've done that using some unique technique, techniques that our research lab has developed, which is you know, really uh, embracing artificial intelligence and, you know, and the machine learning approach. So, um, it's, look, it's exciting and it's really leading to, I believe, quite a revolutionary change in, in our thinking around how we might intervene in public health. Well, Mark, thank you for that. Uh, I do think that is all we have time for, but it's been an absolutely uh, exciting and refreshing sort of expose of the development of a career through some territory that's always been right at the cutting edge. So congratulations on the, on the contribution that you've made over the years, and thank you very much for the time you spent with us today. Thanks, Rob.